In this episode of Breaking Bond, we will be talking about Live and Let Die from 1973, starring Roger Moore as James Bond, Yafet Kato as Dr. Kananga slash Mr. Big, Jane Seymour as Solitaire, Julius Harris as T. Hee Johnson, David Hedison as Felix Leiter, Gloria Hendry as Rosie Carver, Jeffrey Holder as Baron Samedi, Roy Stewart as Quarrel Jr., and Earl Jolly Brown as Whisper, directed by Guy Hamilton. But first, a word from our sponsor. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into Breaking Bond, a 007 binge cast where we'll be diving headfirst into the 007 cinematic universe on a mission to watch every James Bond film ever made. With no first-hand knowledge of the books and little to no experience with the films, we are excited to finally flesh out the missing context surrounding this pop culture icon and see what, if anything, we've been missing. I'm David Z. Robertson. I'm Bethany Robertson. Hi! We just watched Doom Patrol. We did just watch Doom Patrol, <laughs> and it was fantastic. Yep. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> but I will say, one of the James Bonds is in it. <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Yep. He plays the chief, and he's amazing. Doom Patrol is better than some of the James Bond movies we've watched. Doom Patrol is better than every James Bond movie we have watched. <laughs> okay. <laughs> every episode of Doom Patrol is better. In my opinion. I agree. And I don't want to make people angry, but I agree. Oh, I mean, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter what people's opinions are. There are literally tens (laughs) of people who listen to this podcast. That's true. No, I, you know, don't want to upset anybody, but at the same time, like, this is, you know, our subjective opinions as we, as we have them, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I like Doom Patrol a lot better than everything we've seen so far on, on, on... But to be fair, it's not the same kind of thing at all. No, it's totally Doom different. Patrol is totally more my kind of thing. Yep. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So. So, Live and Let Die yes, came out ma'am. in 1973. Uh, we have broken into Roger Moore mm-hmm. as... James Bond now. We can finally take a break from Sean Connery for a little bit. Um, Roger Moore was 46 in his first Bond film, which seems kind of old. Yeah, he landed the role at 45, and which, yeah, that was older than what Connery sharded. Sharded? Started out as. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a Freudian slip (laughs) depicting most of his movies. No, oh, I don't want to be that guy. Let's not be that. That was an innocent slip. <laughs> but since I'm eight years old, it was funny. Yeah, you know, I don't hate most of the Connery movies. I just don't love them. Yeah, we kind of just grew tired. Yeah, yeah. Because we're watching these things, for the most part, we're watching one Bond movie a week. 
Mostly, yeah. We did not have the luxury of David having... David Wang will disagree with us. <laughs> we do not have the luxury of having like a year or two in between movies as did the people in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Or anyone recently who might spread them out more. Right. Anyway, uh, let's get into the synopsis and uh, because we've, we've, we've got a fair amount of stuff to cover here today. Okay. Um, Three MI6 agents are killed under mysterious circumstances within 24 hours in the United Nations headquarters in New York City, New Orleans, and the Caribbean nation of San Monique while monitoring the operations of the island's dictator, Dr. Kanenga. James Bond, Agent 007, is sent to New York to investigate. Kanenga is also in New York, visiting the United Nations. Just after Bond arrives, his driver is shot dead by Whisper one of Kananga's men, while taking Bond to meet Felix Leiter of the CIA. Bond is nearly killed in the ensuing car crash. All right, let's, let's, let's stop there and talk about what we've seen so far. Sure. Uh, I do have confirmation via the trivia that, uh, yes, those were mostly all the same car on that street <laughs> during that sequence. In the car chase. We were watching the car chase uh <laughs> With Bond, and uh, I was like, why do all of those cars look like they are the same one? They're the so, same make and model, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, I really loved seeing Bond's apartment. Um, His black splash was ridiculous, but His yes, what? Backsplash. Okay. I think I may have said black splash. You did. I meant backsplash. <laughs> Hell. Is it because you've been researching black exploitation? Uh, <laughs> no, that was just my tongue getting in the way. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a more smooth way of saying that would be: I really liked his apartment too, but his backsplash was awful. Yeah, it was kind of awful. Um, <laughs> it it looked like uh. I don't know, like, you know, like the small records? I can't remember what they were called. 75s? Yeah, 75s. That's what it looked like. It looked like 75s. 45s? Okay. Whatever one. <laughs> I don't know. The little one. I'm sorry. I'm I sorry, can't Mom. remember. I can't remember. I just, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's what it looked like. Um, it could also be nipples. Oh, jeez. And it would make more sense for, for Bond. Oh, God. It, it actually would, though. That's his brand. Yeah. I guess my backsplash is full of nipples. Oh, God. Yes, it's a pattern. I'll give this to Connery. It doesn't matter who's playing Bond. I always hear Sean Connery in my head. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) But it's not even Connery. It's like Daryl Hammond's version of Connery (laughs) from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. "Um, Yeah, you do, Trebek. (laughs) Yeah, so I think think it was a 45. Just to circle back to that. All right. All right. Well, they were circles. That's right. Circle, circle, dot, dot. Now you have your cootie shot? That's right. Okay. We all knew the circle, circle, dot, dot was was nipples. It was areola, areola, nipple, nipple. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-huh. That is uh uh-uh. That's why we got in trouble for saying it. This is the first time I have ever thought that. (laughs) I felt like there was like a certain amount of, of... what? What's wrong? I was looking at my hand picturing someone drawing it on me. Like, no, I've never thought that had anything to do with boobs. I mean, I just, yeah. You need a cootie shot. No, I don't. 
Clearly, a, you got the disease. I don't know, but you know, a certain kind of shot does look like a circle with a dot in the middle of it. But well, they weren't circles with dots in them. It was a circle and then a circle and then underneath it a dot and a dot. How does that make sense? That's how I was always administered. <laughs> no, I was always administered with a dot in the center <laughs> of the circle. That's why you have cooties. It was I, not I given to you cooties. correctly. Gotcha. You did not get the vaccine. I was not told Thank I God had cooties. I, did. I was not told I had cooties. I'm immune. No one has told so me I had cooties. <laughs> you have it. <laughs> I have cooties 19. Wait, wait, how did you do circle, circle, square, square? We, I never heard of circle, circle, square, square. Well, that's why you don't have it everywhere. Oh, okay. I did. So, well, we learned something about each other today. So I like seeing M uh, <laughs> come into Bond, and that Bond was hiding the lady in his in his room and all. That was fun. But why was why was he hiding her? He wasn't on a mission, was he? His people it were was lo- his cause place. Her people were looking for her. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I thought. <laughs> I don't know. And then like Money Penny, God, oh, I feel bad for Money Penny, Money dude, because she's like helping him hide her and stuff, but like. Yeah. But she's kind of a freak about it because she kind of digs it. <laughs> she's like, oh, like, uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, thank you, Money Penny. She's like, ciao, Bella. <laughs> like, ew. <laughs> like, why are you down with that? Why are you helping him? <laughs> so, uh, I kind of, like, Desmond Lewis wasn't around for this movie. He was uh, shooting, I think, a TV show. Mm. Um, so he wasn't playing Q. I did like that, like, M was like giving Bond crap for how the taxpayers have to like pay for all of his fancy toys. <laughs> and Bond uses his little magnetic watch to just be like to grab the spoon off of uh, M's tea tray. <laughs> yep. Like usually Bond is the one like, this is stupid. Yeah. But he was like, mm, nope, here you go. <laughs> and then he uses the magnet, the magnetic thing on the watch to like, unzip the girl's dress oh my gosh i know and uh, oh, that was grief. funny yeah i really enjoyed it <laughs> i thought it was really funny yeah um i liked roger moore's bond quite a bit i did too um he still really likes the ladies mm-hmm. but he seems more classy he does a bit he <sighs> I love how he throws away his his little his little quips. Yeah. Like the like oh I think he got the point like that sort of thing like right. his little puns. I, I he says them almost like he's ashamed to say them and I enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's like how I, it feels anyway. I don't want to say this, but I have to. <laughs> and I know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too, love. <laughs> All right. So a trace on the killer's license plate eventually leads Bond to Mr. Big, a ruthless gangster who runs a chain of restaurants throughout the United States. It is here that Bond first meets Solitaire, a beautiful tarot reader who has the power of the Obeya and can see both the future and remote events in the, in the present. Mr. Big demands that his henchmen kill Bond, but Bond overpowers them and escapes with the help of CIA agent Strutter. Bond flees to uh, San Monique, where he meets Rosie Carver, a CIA double agent. They meet up with Bond's friend Quarrel Jr., who takes them by boat near uh, near Solitaire's home. Bond suspects Rosie of working for Kananga, and she is killed by Kananga to stop her confessing the truth to Bond. 
Inside Solitaire's house, Bond uses a stacked deck of tarot cards that show only the lovers to trick her into thinking that fate is meant for them. Bond then seduces her. Solitaire loses her ability to foretell the future when she loses her virginity to Bond, and she decides to cooperate with him based upon both upon her attraction to him as well as her having grown tired of being controlled by Kananga. So this one paragraph is like 45 minutes of the movie. It really is. <laughs> so let's back up a little bit. Yeah, that covers a lot of ground. I really, I understand that this movie is uh, controversial mm-hmm. and um, that it does utilize a lot of elements of black exploitation, a lot of the stereotypes. Um, and I'm not here to say those things are good. But I uh, am also here to say that I grew up watching a lot of black exploitation films and not realizing what was wrong with them necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I would, like, hang out with my dad and watch, like, you know, like Shaft and, and <laughs> Foxy Brown, stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And uh, I would watch a lot of that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't know. It just... This movie somewhat took me back to that a lot, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed a lot of those elements, be they right or wrong. Yeah. Now, I, uh, I, dude, I loved the opening bit with the uh, the New Orleans funeral procession. That was awesome. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. No, we didn't. Um, that was really cool. Um, and it was really cool when that one guy was like, "Whose funeral?" Yeah, he's like, "Yours." Yours. Oh my gosh, and then they just like put the coffin over him as they're yeah. walking and pick him up. That was that was Oh dope. my gosh, and I was like and then they they do that same thing a second time later on in the movie, but it's all the same people and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, all these people must be in on it." Yeah. Oh my gosh. Which is rough. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um so yeah, about black exploitation. Mm-hmm. Uh and just I guess I wanted to say I I think it's kind of sidestepping a little bit. I think it's uh, really interesting because we have watched um, about 10 years worth of Bond and Bond-type films. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what, in the last two or three months? Yeah, something like that. Um, and it is interesting to see it go from the early 60s to the early 70s. I feel like, I mean, I know we've already seen one other film from the 70s, but this one, I don't know if it's because they were in New Orleans and Harlem. Um, Well, I mean, like the one from 71 was, uh, that was in Las Vegas. Right. But I don't know. This one just felt extremely 70s to me. It did. It Um, felt very, very, very 70s. Yeah. And I, I just think that's interesting. Like there was, it's just such a big change from the 60s and now like, I don't know. It's just such a big change. So that's interesting. Yeah. It was all manner of like super fly and stuff like that. It was just yeah. that, that, that vibe. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so I guess kind of maybe the, a, a general sense about black exploitation films, uh, is that it, it is definitely controversial. Like some people thought it was good because that those types of films, uh, it was supposed to be for uh, like a more, it was supposed to appeal to a more African-American audience. It mm. was supposed to be something for that culture instead of just a bunch of stuff for white people. But um, also, un- unfortunately, reinforced a lot of really negative stereotypes. Yes. So on the one hand, uh, people thought they were making films that were like, hey, 
we have uh, a more African-American culture in here. We have music that is a different type of music um, in these films. We have like like soul and funk and like something that we assume is more for an African-American type culture. Yeah. We have we have those kinds of things. And like um, we have black people who are the heroes and the sidekicks mm-hmm. and the villains and all of those things. But then on the other hand, like you said, it was also like, yeah, but it's like the the villains are like drug lords and and like they're, you know, like the goofy sidekicks. And yeah. maybe it's not really a complimentary thing the way we are portraying them. Yeah. And so I don't I don't know. I guess that um live and let die um might be split in those two directions. Yeah, it is a little bit it seems like like the 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 cab driver is just like very very over the top like stereotypical uh black guy from the 70s. Yeah. But like Kananga though is like he does I mean, like if you could, you could just recast him as Kelsey Grammer, and I wouldn't notice. Like, <laughs> like he's just very, like, I don't know, like, just almost like, I don't, I, well, he's just ambiguous racially. I feel like in this movie, right? Um, well, then they, yeah. So they also, um, maybe it's it's like a positive that. Here is a James Bond film where there are a lot of African Americans in it. We're showing a lot of African American culture, Harlem, New Orleans, um, the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, but then also, uh, now I know this is still, um, based on the book, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) kind of barely, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. But so then on the other hand of that, it's like, all right, so we're taking a step back from Blofeld and Spectre, and now it's about drug lords, and so we're going to have a lot of black people in this film. Well, I mean... And voodoo. Yeah. Drugs and voodoo. But, you know, I understand those things are both are prevalent in exploitation films, mm-hmm. but, you know, I I have known, unfortunately, several uh Black people who believe in voodoo and have some sort of connection to it and are terrified of it. Right. And I know that that's something. That's also a thing that's in New Orleans. Yeah. I was whether you're black say or white. That, that is something that, I mean, I don't, I don't know from personal experience. I really think I'm just mostly drawing from pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be something that is, uh, pretty prevalent in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, so there's that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately drugs are a real, a real issue in, in the black community. Right. So, I mean, I'm not saying this, you know, there, that's the only culture that it exists in. I'm I'm just saying it is, it is a stereotype for a reason to some degree, even if it's, you know, way overdone in these movies. Um, I was going to say something else and I've lost my brain now. Um, should I start saying things? If you want to say something, go for it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep looking for a quote. I found a, a quote that I liked, uh, on Wikipedia about black exploitation, And okay. I'm going to, I'm going to keep looking for that. I can't find it right now. Um, but I did want to say like about the music. Um, I, uh, so 
the the composer for this one is George Martin, mm-hmm. not John Barry, right. who uh, composed the scores for eleven Bond films. Right. Um, and George Martin, I looked him up, and he is referred to as the Fifth Beatle. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. When he died in 2016, Paul McCartney said, "If anyone earned the title of the Fifth Beatle, it was George." Yeah. Um. So I think that's great that I think it's awesome that uh, he was in charge of doing the score and that uh, he asked Paul McCartney to sing the song. Actually, uh, let's see, who was it? Saltzman and Broccoli Mm -hmm. contracted him to write the song. Yep. And so Paul and Linda wrote Live and Let Die. I looked up the lyrics for it. Mm -hmm. They probably wrote it in about 10 minutes. All right. Because I was like, what are the lyrics for this? Because, I mean, I have known this song for a long time, for a large part of my life. I never knew that it was, this song happened because of this film. Yeah. And that's really cool. But, yeah, I looked up the lyrics and I was like, okay, I guess I did know most of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a whole lot to it, but still a great song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I think I was going to say is like, yes, there are some unabashed stereotypes here. But one of the things I really like about the movie is that, like, not all of the black people in it are just running around calling each other Jive Turkey. (laughs) Yeah. Although they did say honky several times. They did. But that was the Harlem segments. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Once they got to New Orleans, it was a different culture. They, They took what seemed to be great pains to, like, differentiate. Yeah, that's you know, true. It wasn't just like, you're black, so you're going to say this weird shit. Yeah. Like, it was just like, this is the, the this is the Harlem culture as we understand it in black exploitation films at the very least. Um, I wasn't around in Harlem in the 70s. I don't know what anybody was talking like. I haven't been around in Harlem in any year. Yeah, I don't think I've ever <laughs> been. I've, I've never been to New York or. Yeah. yeah. Um. I just liked that there were at least three separate distinct cultures that they they represented. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um and I found I found the quote that I was looking for also. Cool. All right, so on Wikipedia, literary critic Addison Gale wrote in nineteen seventy four about black exploitation. Here is freedom pushed to its most ridiculous limits. Mm-hmm. Here are writers and actors who claim that freedom for the artist entails exploitation of the very people to whom they owe their artistic existence. Hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. But, you know, the those films, for all that there was wrong with them, they they contributed a great deal to society. Like, so many things are influenced by black exploitation films. Yeah. Um, so many really positive things. So. And even uh, going back to the Austin Powers films, because we always have to reference those. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a gold member with yeah. Beyonce as Fox and Cleopatra? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know what we were talking about. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh okay. So yay, Jane Seymour. Yes, Jane Seymour. <laughs> um, who we first meet in Mr. Big's restaurant. Um, I love that, that wall that slid around. Yep. I love that. I love that the, the, the waiter brings him his drink and as he, <laughs> as he like turns behind the door, like the waiter's like, all right. And he just starts like sipping the drink himself. <laughs> um, 
Man, I knew Mr. something was up with Mr. Big. He, that just did not look like a real person. He looked, yeah, he looked weird. We said from the beginning, this guy just looks weird. And I was really afraid because <laughs> I don't really look into this stuff. It looked, he looked fake. Yeah. So I was really afraid it was like a white dude pretending to be a black guy. Like yeah. I was really worried that it was something like that. Yeah. Um, A couple of things w- went through my mind. Because I was made aware of J.W. Pepper before, mm. so I worried that J.W. Pepper was really Mr. Big. Oh. <laughs> and then I also worried that it was somehow Blofeld. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> or that was the insinuation. Oh, God. Because I know he shows up in another movie, like, or is insinuated in another movie, and, like, I don't remember what it is. Mm. So I was afraid that it would be, like, he rips the mask off and Bond's like, oh, no! And then, like, you see, like, almost, like from the back end, like, a Dr. Evil-looking fellow oh, running away. <laughs> um, I was, yeah, I was... Well, thank goodness that, that was not the case. Right. I was worried they were doing, like, a very elaborate blackface. Yeah. Um, I love seeing uh, Jane Seymour... Yes, she was so young. Mm-hmm. I think probably the youngest I have ever seen her. So, well, up up until now was just on Doctor Quinn. Yep. Um, that was over twenty years after this. But what was weird is like I thought it was just because she was young, but I was like I was not really connecting to her voice. It was Nikki Vanderzile doing a dub. Oh my god! It gosh. wasn't really Jane Seymour apparently. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Why? I don't know. She, I don't think she has a thick accent. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> it was yeah, good to see Quarrel Jr. It was good to see Quarrel Jr. As I understand it, it was actually Quarrel in the book. Oh. Like, the book takes oh, place man. before Dr. No. Okay. It's the second book. So, like, Strange Ways, remember that professor guy that gets murdered? Right. He was in Live and Let Die, mm. and um, Quarrel was. Okay. And it was Quarrel who, like, meets up with Bond, and we meet him here, and then we meet him again in Dr. No gotcha. in the book. So, like, they made Quarrel Jr., so that would still... Well, that's an interesting way to resolve that. <sighs> yeah. I, you know, I, I still want them to like be like, you know, explaining why Bond never ages. But hey, whatever, man. <laughs> Everybody around Bond is aging drastically. Yeah. Um. Um. Hey, it's also great that we have our first African American Bond girl. Yeah. Who is in like two scenes, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. You well, you know, the way they wrote it, the way they it was originally intended to be swapped. Hmm. Solitaire was supposed to be black. And uh, Rosie was supposed to be white. Oh. And because like, several, several countries had a problem with it. Huh. Um, for different reasons. I'll get into a little bit of that, the trivia. But okay. basically that they, they came down to like, we can't have a main Bond girl be in an inter- interracial relationship with, with Bond. Oh, jeez. Yep. Oh, seven. It was literally against the law. In several places. Oh, so, goodness. like, they had to swap it out. That's crazy. And then they they had to also cut the the scene where he and uh, Rosie wind up together before she wow. gets killed. Yep. Wow. Anyway. Um. Also, uh, dude, good job, Rosie, like, you know, for, like, working out and stuff and, like. Dude, yes. Taking care of oh yourself. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. 
Didn't I? Wasn't it her where I was like, good gosh, look at that woman's arms. Yep, I think so. <laughs> she has really nice arms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she did. But yeah, so I her character was cool. Too bad she wasn't in it for very long. Yeah, I was I was interested in, in where she was coming from. Yeah. But whatever. Yep, sorry. I never expect Bond girls to last very long. No. At least Not the first one, anyway. Yeah, no. So... <laughs> Uh, um, Bond and Solitaire escape by boat and fly to New Orleans. There, Bond is captured by Mr. Big, who removes his prosthetic face and is revealed to be Kananga. He has been producing heroin and is protecting the poppy fields by exploiting the San Monique locals' fear of voodoo priest Baron Samedi, uh, as well as the occult. Through his alter ego, Mr. Big, Kananga plans to distribute the heroin free of charge at his restaurants, which will increase the number of addicts. He intends to bankrupt other drug dealers with his giveaway, then charge high prices for his heroin later in order to capitalize on the huge drug dependencies he has cultivated. Good gosh. Yep. Uh, Angry at her for having sex with Bond and that her ability to read tarot cards is now gone, Kananga turns Solitaire over to Baron uh, Samedi to be sacrificed. Meanwhile, Kananga's henchman, one-armed Teehee, and tweed-jacketed Adam leave Bond to be eaten by crocodiles at a farm in the deep south backwoods. Bond escapes by running along the animals' backs to safety. As setting a drug laboratory, uh, sorry, after setting a drug laboratory on fire, he steals a speedboat and escapes, pursued by Kananga's men under Adam's order, as well as as well as Sheriff J. W. Pepper and the Louisiana State Police. Most pursuers get wrecked or left behind, and Adam does not survive Bond's strike. Whew. Yeah. So okay, let's talk about um. First, let's talk about Bond and his uh. His little trick to with, with solitaire. Yeah, with the cards. Right, yeah. which was funny for a second, and then once she mentions it as a physical violation, I felt right. really bad. Yeah, that whole thing was that was weird. So he like robs her of her ability, which by the way, I love that this movie is just like not trying to explain away the supernatural elements yeah. that have never been in Bond before. Right. Yeah, and she even says, like, that's what happened with her grandmother and her mother, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, she's there. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, that, like... They it, had to do it at some point. That, <laughs> that they lost their abilities when they lost their virginity, also. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, it seems less flirtatious and more, like leaning toward like not really a great direction yeah like she (laughs) she apparently it seems like she agreed to get down with bond because the cards recurred and told her she had to she was destined to right she thought this was like she thought she was fulfilling her destiny except the card he didn't control the card that was back at Mr. Biggs. So they had, you know, said that something was going to happen between those two, basically. And then he just tricked her into proving that. Right. But, and then she unfortunately referred to it as a physical violation. But then, like, five seconds later, turned around and was like, show me more. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I kind of had conflicting yeah. feelings about that. It, yeah. yeah. It, 
It seemed like a violation. I'm sure Bond just thought he was doing his normal, like, get the ladies kind of thing. Um, yeah. It probably wasn't. I'm sure he didn't know all of this stuff about she's going to lose her powers. It's her destiny. Right. She's a virgin. I'm sure yep. he didn't know all of that. But I'm not sure. I think sure. he probably knew some of that. Yeah, like, I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure how he would have acted differently had he known all of this. I don't things. think he would have, but... Yeah. Also, where did he get all those cards? I don't know. Did he just, like, buy a pack of them? Did he buy, like, 52 packs of <laughs> that specific tarot card? That's the, that's the deleted scene I want. <laughs> yeah. I want to see the scene where he goes to, the, to like, some little supernatural shop, some occult yeah. store, and, like, buys 52 packs of, or however many cards there are on a, in a tarot deck. Yeah. And, like... Buys that many cards and then sits in his room smoking a cigar and, like, make an entire deck of just the lovers. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, she she did say that she she didn't want to keep working for Kananga. That's right. And she... I don't know if she had grown scared of him or if she was scared of him because she had lost her abilities. Well, there was also, I think she was scared of him from the get-go. Yeah. But there's a line in there where Kananga mentioned uh, her mother. Mm. Her, the same thing. He, like, he was around, the dude that played him was only 33 at the time. But the character was apparently around hmm. way before because, like, he mentions, like, yo, yo, same thing happened to your mom. Mm. Uh, dude, how old is you? Because... <laughs> You look yeah. young as hell. Yeah. And you're over here talking about like, oh yeah, your mom. Did. And also when he's like telling her like, I would have given you love at the appropriate time. Oh. You knew that. I'm like, did you oh. give her mom love? Are you her yeah. dad? Oh my God. What is happening? Yeah. Anyway. All of that was some sketchy stuff. It was all sketchy and creepy. And oh, I yeah. was angry with him. Yeah. And I was like, dude, what? she don't have to. I mean, why does she got to have your thing no yeah and like baby jane seymour <laughs> yeah it's like barely over five feet tall and i think at the time was like 23 and really just looks like a child <laughs> in many ways yes <laughs> yeah in many other ways mm -mm. <laughs> yeah girl she was not fully clothed at all times <laughs> at any time <laughs> Every time she was on screen, we were like, shoot. Shoot, the doctor is in. <laughs> That's Dr. Quinn. Dr. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, I love oh. the speedboat. I love the chase. I, yeah. I, I, I'm so sorry. I know people are going to not like this. And I don't know. I, maybe he's a lot more racist than I thought he was. Uh, I did cringe a lot when he called a lot with, you know, a lot of black guys boy, but then he called like 10 of the white guys boy. Yeah. So I was just like, and to be honest, I've known a lot of, you know, white guys like that who call everybody boy. Yeah. I don't generally like those people. <laughs> yeah. Sheriff J.W. Pepper. Yes. I, I have an uncle who seems to not be able to remember my name. Oh, God. But every time he introduces me to his wife and we run into each other at Walmart or what have you, he always says, this is a, a Jerry's boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I hated him, dude. Yeah, I know you hated him. The sheriff, not yeah. your uncle. No, you, I don't you, know you your don't uncle. know your uncle. Neither do I, really. 
Uh, I hated it, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, to be fair, he may have said some incredibly racist things. I could not understand about... <laughs> Well, at best, I couldn't understand half of what he was saying. Between his extremely thick southern accent and that friggin' chewing tobacco that was constantly in his mouth that you could see sometimes inside his mouth. It was like listening to somebody... It was like southern fried stroke. It was just like... really bad. What's wrong with you? And there was so... So much going on with the boat chases. <laughs> but, oh yeah, dude, my god! But the boat chases, <laughs> the boat choice, dude. It made it felt like the Blues Brothers to me. Yeah, it did. I can see that. It felt so much like the Blues Brothers, <laughs> and I, I did really enjoy when he was like talking about. It. He's like, my brother-in-law's got the fastest boat. He'll kiss his ass. Oh <laughs> my gosh! <laughs> and and they're like, I don't think that's Willie. <laughs> I don't know. And, oh, and when, at the end of the boat chase, when he like, <laughs> when he like shows up and like all those other cops and FBI and CIA and everybody are there and he like walks up with his little handcuffs and he's like, oh boy, what are you some kind of doomsday machine? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we're going to have to talk to you, JW. They pull him aside. That was one of the most gratifying things for me. Like, I loved it so much that they had to be like, well, he's an Englister and uh, (laughs) he's working with our boys. Uh, He's some kind of a secret agent. And he's like, for whose side? I enjoyed all of that. I I shouldn't have, but I did. (laughs) And if, if, uh, you know, any of you guys out there were watching uh sheriff pepper uh with captions on and he said some truly uh racist things i i did hear one thing that i i cringed at mm-hmm. but it also made me chuckle because it was so weird mm-hmm. he referred to all of the the black gangsters running around after bond as black russians oh. he's like we got a bunch of black russians out here i'm like what are you what talking are you... about what does that mean russians <laughs> What? That's weird. I, it, hey, you know, I'm, I wasn't around in the seventies. Maybe that was a thing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that almost seems more like something that would have been said in the eighties. Yeah, that's weird. Dude. But l- hey, l- if he did say a bunch of racist stuff, it's not like they portrayed him as a good guy. Yeah, no. He was an antagonist at at, at you know best. Yeah. So um, give him that. Uh, Oh, and the crocodile stuff was fun, too. The crocodile stuff was fun, and I didn't realize it was real. Wow. Like, the stunt guy, the guy that owned the place, the crocodile farm, actually attempted, he actually ran across the crocodiles. Whoa. And it was five times that he oh, had to God. do it because he kept falling, and he had to have, like, stitches on his leg and stuff <gasps> and on his face because the crocodiles kept attacking him <gasps> when he fell terrifying the, yeah terrifying but for, oh my gosh. for like that day of work and stitches he got sixty thousand dollars okay and them's is 1973 dollars yeah i'll so. get some stitches <laughs> i'd have to think about it very hard please um i'll think about it for about five seconds <laughs> <laughs> i will think about it for much longer <laughs> all right <laughs> so anyway Bond travels to San Monique and sets timed explosives throughout the poppy fields. He rescues Solitaire from the voodoo sacrifice and throws Samedi into a coffin of venomous snakes. 
Bond and Solitaire escape below ground into Kananga's lair because everybody's got to have a lair. Yeah, and a monorail. And a monorail. Kananga Kananga captures them both and proceeds to lower them into a shark tank. (laughs) But they didn't have freaking laser beams attached. Start the unnecessarily slow moving dipping mechanism. Dicking mechanism. No. Bond is the unnecessarily slow moving dicking mechanism. He's the no wait. He's the unnecessarily fast moving dicking mechanism. We are not having this conversation. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. However, Bond escapes and forces Kananga to swallow a compressed gas pellet used in shark guns, causing his body to inflate and explode. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that was like my favorite thing ever. It was so dumb. It, it was awful. It was so dumb oh. and hilarious. And as soon as like Kananga shot one into the couch, I was just like, oh. Oh, geez. Oh, no. Oh. And then I thought this could go a couple of different ways. It could go with like, oh, Kananga's got it inside of him. And he's like, oh. And then we just see an explosion. Right. Uh, He just has like a really big poop. Yeah. I did not expect it to go the way it went, where he flies up into the air and he's fully inflated like a like a I was gonna say like a hot air balloon, but it wasn't really like that. It was it was. Do you remember the Joker's balloons when they started filling up with gas? Yeah. In in the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie with Nicholson, and they just got really like way overinflated and the gas. That's what he looked like, except it was like way faster and he exploded yeah. and it was. It did not look great. Yeah, it looked awful, <laughs> but it was like my favorite yeah, thing it in the was movie. Pretty funny. It was hilarious. Um. Anyway, Leiter puts Bond and Solitaire on a train leaving the country. Teehee sneaks aboard and attempts to kill Bond, but Bond cuts the wires of his prosthetic arm Ooh. and throws him out of the window. Uh, as the film ends, a laughing Samadhi is revealed to be perched on the front of the speeding train. Yeah, 16-hour long train. That's right. Now, I want to say this, because I didn't say it before. I loved the opening credits. Yes. The Flaming Skulls. Yeah. Um, I loved, like, how Kananga's laughing face turned into the flaming skull again. Yeah. Um, I loved all of that. And it, it seemed like live and let die, like, especially the bah, bah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that went really well with yes. the opening credits. Yes. They still had several, like, chase sequences and stuff without any music and fight sequences yes. and stuff without any music. They but did. I really, really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed the score. I really loved how the Live and Let Die song was integrated into the score. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was the best music of, of anything we've seen so far. Yes. Um, it might, this might be in your trivia notes already, but this is the first rock song to open a Bond mm-hmm. film. I don't think I put it in there, but it, yeah, I saw it. Um, now having said all of that, I like, I think this song is great. I, agree with you that it went really well with mm-hmm. the film. Um and again, like I I didn't know until we started doing this podcast that the song that I know, Live and Let Die, is because of this film. That's mm-hmm. super cool. Um but going with all of the black exploitation stuff mm-hmm. and how like different styles of music uh were used for those films, I almost feel like maybe some of that should have been incorporated. Maybe. Instead of Paul McCartney wings. Yeah, that has occurred to me. Yeah. But, you know, I, 
I, I feel like they were like, oh, I know. Let's do the black thing like everybody's doing. <laughs> well, not too black. It's still Bond. <laughs> yeah. We'll just kind of... What's a happy medium between, like, British music or jazz or whatever it is that we ha- that James Bond listens to? Yeah. And, you know, funk and, and R&B and stuff. I know. Paul McCartney wins. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have Paul and Linda write a song. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was there was some of that, like, New Orleans music when they oh, were yeah. doing the funeral. Yeah, 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 yeah. That and was th- great. By the way, that was that's a real thing. Like, the dude, the, the main guy leading the procession mm-hmm. was actually does that or did oh, that for a living. Oh, my. Well, that, I mean... That's interesting. I guess I'm just thinking of it in terms of like what happened in the film where mm-hmm. they like kill a guy. Yeah. And they're having his funeral. But and they did. They did I have don't know. like in the in the jazz bar when they had the the lady singing. Uh, That's true. Live and let die. That's um, true. One of the producers I've got it in the notes wanted her to do the opening oh, sequence song. Oh, neat. And Paul McCartney and Wings. Paul McCartney told him. You can't have the song unless we do it. Oh, wow. I mean, from a business standpoint, I understand that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's, I like his version way better. Yeah. But it, it's his song. It's yeah. his and Linda's song. I'm glad she still got to do it. Absolutely. Because I really liked that version. Yeah. But I don't know. I I don't know. The, the way they uh, have the, the funeral... I, I don't know. That's kind of a neat way mm-hmm. to see someone off, you know, to like start out mourning and then just celebrate. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that they had voodoo in that part of it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember there being voodoo in that specific part of it. Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of a cool way to do a funeral. Yeah. Just, yeah. Hmm. All right. So do you think this is a good introduction to James Bond? I think it is. Yeah. I kind of don't <laughs> because it is like the sorry the antagonists not the protagonists the antagonists are so completely different than most of the bond villains that we've gotten that's true um there weren't yeah yeah you do have like the bond girl formula and you have the quips you have you know the action right that's fine that all makes sense it's just you know some of it is is so out there for right. a bond movie Right. Um, yeah, I guess I did appreciate that it kind of veered away from like the same old stuff. But I. A little bit. I loved that it veered away from the same old stuff. Yeah. I didn't care about, you know, the uh, weirdo, like overblown, uh, convoluted bullcrap Blofeld did. I, I, just, I, was, I was glad we didn't have that again. Right. That we just had a guy who was like, I'm going to get everyone addicted to crap. Right. Cool. <laughs> That seems like a good call. All right, buddy. That's, I mean, that's a horrible thing, but yeah. <laughs> Hashtag ambition. <laughs> um, based on this movie, would you want to keep watching the franchise? I think so. Um, this this is not my favorite Bond film. Uh huh. Um, I won't say I loved it. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, it was mediocre, but it wasn't bad enough to where I would not want to keep watching. Fair enough. And I think Roger Moore is a good Bond. Yeah. Um, based on this movie, I like. I have... This movie reinvigorated me. Hmm. So I would definitely want to keep watching the franchise cool. after this one. Um, would you recommend this movie to anyone you love? Maybe. I don't know. I can't, I can't say a strong yes or no. Okay. I mean, 
I would probably say it's fun, but it's ridiculous. Right. And I would still recommend it. <laughs> um, I'd probably say, <clears throat> oh, you know, you can watch it. It's not great, <laughs> but it's not the worst of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to some favorite quotes that we didn't get to uh, during the, the our previous conversation here. Oh, yeah. We haven't really talked about quotes that much. Um, yeah. Now, I loved when he had undre- un- undressed her with the, with the magnet. Yeah. And she says, such a delicate touch. And he says, sheer magnetism, darling. <laughs> I loved that. That was yeah. hilarious. Um, the cab driver says, hey, you know where you're going, man? James Bond says, uptown, I believe. Uptown? You headed into Harlem, man. He says, well, you just stay on the tail of that jukebox and there's an extra 20 in it for you. And the cab driver says, hey, man, for 20 bucks, I'd take you to a Ku Klux Klan cookout. Good gosh. (laughs) I laughed really hard at that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But that 20 bucks, that that there is $1973. So... Thirty dollars? <laughs> I don't think I don't know. Forty? I don't know. I don't know. Oh geez, that guy was like just a silly, goofy guy, though. Yeah. Just like didn't take anything that seriously. So we saw him a couple of times, didn't we? It wasn't uh, just that one time. Yeah, we saw him a couple of times. Yeah. Boy. So uh, let's see. Um, I already talked about all the the J.W. Pepper Doomsday Machine <laughs> stuff. Um, and can we just acknowledge that T. He Johnson, his <laughs> name was that his name in the book? I I think so, but like, I don't know. T. He Johnson. I don't that know. That's ridiculous. I have no idea. Oh my gosh. I don't remember. I mean, like T. He kind of seems appropriate and kind of funny, but then to also give him a last name. Well, I'm that's sure T. He Johnson. I'm sure that was like a nickname, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think his mother like said, "I'm going to name him Tee Maybe though. Maybe though. I don't know. <laughs> but still, like he had a nickname, but then they still gave him a last name too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just silly. Uh, I love when Solitaire asked him if they had time for lesson number three before they leave, and he says, "Absolutely. There's no sense going out half cocked." Yowza. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, when Rosie found the hat in her bedroom that had the feathers on it, yeah. and she screamed, and Bond oh says, gosh. why, it's just a hat, darling, evidently belonging to a small-headed man of limited means <laughs> who lost a fight with a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. That was great. Um. Mr. Big says, what shall we drink to, Mr. Bond? James says, as the overweight whisper approaches with drinks, well, how about an earthquake? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <gasps> That's awful. That is really bad. And I didn't I didn't get it. I didn't get it at first. I didn't get it either. I didn't get it at first. And then I was like, I think he just made a fat joke. Jeez. <sighs> Rosie at some point says, I should have never gotten into any of this. I'm going to be completely useless to you. And Bond says, well, I'm sure we'll be able to lick you into shape. Ugh. <laughs> that is not okay. <laughs> that is nasty. It's not nasty. It's just inappropriate. It is inappropriate and nasty. <laughs> um, <laughs> where's Kananga? He always did have an inflated opinion of himself. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh, when uh, he throws the prosthetic arm from the train window, Solitaire says, now what are you doing? He says, just being disarming, darling. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, something I always wonder, like, or I've wondered in the last few uh, uh, 
episodes, uh, movies. You kill off the main bad guy. What does it, what does it benefit the henchman to go after Bond? That's true. After? That's true. Are they just like getting revenge? Maybe he didn't know that Kananga was dead yet. I mean, maybe, but. Yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe it was revenge. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just always wondering like, your guy's gone. <laughs> He's dead. There's it... no reason for you to be here. <laughs> You're going to die for no reason. <laughs> oh, I did love all of the things um the guy did with uh with his hook, like just all of the different things that he'd scratched and cut. And... That was Tehe. Oh, okay, yeah, whoops. Um <laughs> <laughs> the guy. <laughs> I just I loved everything he did with it. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that was fun. But it was just like, oh, do you want to cut the power? <laughs> Tee will tap it with his hook. And yep. that, will, that will make all of the power everywhere go out. Which was funny because I was like, oh, he's going to snip a wire or something. And instead, like, he just touches it and sparks fly. And I'm like, yep. what? <laughs> it was an adamantium hook. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, babe. What was your favorite scene? My favorite scene was the boat chase stuff. Me too. Even nice. though it had pepper in it? Yeah. Ask me what my least favorite scene was. What was your least favorite scene? My least favorite scene was a boat chase stuff. Because of Sheriff Pepper? <laughs> <laughs> it really, I really do think that, that there were some other great scenes too. Uh-huh. But I really do think that, I mean, as far as like me and you just looking at each other and going, what is happening? Or just laughing or like, oh my gosh, what... They drove a boat on top of the cop car and Mm -hmm. somebody else was like, what was it? Somebody was driving by and was like, well, that's just a boat on top of a cop car, son, or something. Oh, no. He he was like, is that a boat on top of the car? And he was like, where you been all your life, boy? (laughs) Don't you notice one of them new car boats? (laughs) Yeah. And then J.W. Pepper tells him oh, that he is God. he's commandeering the vessel. And he's like, that means you, smartass. <laughs> I don't know. I liked Pepper to some degree. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. So, I mean, that, God, the boat chase stuff was so, so long. But it, was it was very long, but it was a lot of fun. It was funny. Yeah. It It was ridiculous. I mean, just like a couple of the boats like flying over land and flying over or just, you know, going over all kinds of stuff going like Mm -hmm. up and over like ridges and hills. And somehow bonds boat was able to clear everything, but the other boats weren't. Yeah. (laughs) There was just a lot happening and it was all really funny. It was for real though. They, they had a, uh, a stunt guy doing that and Mm. they had like souped up bonds boat. Now, the boat landing on the cop car wasn't supposed to happen. Oh. And then they rewrote part of the script to accommodate it. Oh, wow. But, yeah, they the stunt guy actually jumped the thing and, and the whole thing. Yeah. Whoa. But, uh, so my favorite scene, I have three. <laughs> okay. Or, like, I like the entire, as far as the entire scene, the boat chase sequence is my favorite. My favorite singular moment is Kananga blowing up. Because <laughs> it was just so stupid. Yeah. And then, like... Just as sort of like a secondary favorite singular moment, not the entire sequence, but just <laughs> Bond in that plane and the lady that he was riding with, seeing him going towards those doors and just going, holy shit. <laughs> that was just funny to me. Oh, um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, least favorite scene. J.W. Pepper? All that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know my least favorite scene was. I enjoyed I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Yeah. So I I it's gonna be hard for me to come up with a, a least favorite scene necessarily. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I really like the movie. Yeah. Well, good. I'm sorry. I know it makes me a bad person somehow. Why? I don't know. It's okay if you liked it. Because stereotypes and black exploitation. That's why. It makes I mean, me you're bad. Not, you're not saying you liked it because you like drug lords or something. Well, yeah, no. But. I mean, I don't know. I'm not pro stereotyping. Yeah. But it was a really fun movie to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Feel bad about it. I mean, there were there were for sure black stereotypes in this movie, mm-hmm. but was there actually just like blatant racism? I, I don't mean, know. I, Probably. I was I was shocked when that when the cab driver mentioned going to the Ku Klux Klan cookout. Yeah, which God, how many takes do you think it took him to get that right? I don't know. That's a tough thing to say. Yeah, but I was shocked when he said that. I love the dude who said that. Uh, Bond was not even trying to go into Harlem disguised, and they said it's like following a cue ball. And I, I do that. I laughed so hard. <laughs> that was so funny. Um, yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> what do you hope to see going forward? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, just I'm I'm interested to see uh what Roger Moore contributes to this character. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I'm also kind of interested. I mean, like, he's Bond for, what, the next ten years? Yeah. Worth of movies? Or six more movies, anyway. Yeah. I'm honestly, uh, I'm kind of interested to see what he looks like in his last film if he's already 46 years old. Although, he does look younger at 46 than Sean Connery looked mm-hmm. um, in Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, he does. So. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so, what rating are you going to give it? You know... I kind of struggle with this a little bit because I did not like it as much as you did. Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes it was still kind of hard for me to get through it. It was a two-hour long movie that, once again, I kind of felt could have been a little bit shorter. Mm Mm-hmm. At least by 15, 20 minutes. I I don't know. It's just there, there wasn't enough happening or, like, enough content that I was interested in seeing to... Not keep checking the time to see when it was going to be over. Mm-hmm. Um, but also <laughs> like there. To, to be fair though, you do that with every single thing we watch. Not, uh, yeah, yes, you I do. do. I, yeah, I do that sometimes. You know, sometimes I do it though. Like when we're watching Doom Patrol, I will do that to be like, oh, how much is left? Oh God, only five minutes. I uh, see. I that bugs me because I'm just like, no. If it ends on a, if it's just going to go to like, cut to black and be like. <gasps> What? I yeah. want to be surprised by it. I want to be engrossed in it <laughs> and then just be like shocked when it ends. Yeah. Um, and, I'm sorry. And then you're just like constantly checking the time. <laughs> and I'm like, stop. See, I don't, I don't always, when I check to see how much time is left, I'm not always checking to see how much more do I have to endure. I'm sometimes, if it's something I really like, I'm checking to see how much more I get to watch. Yeah. That was but not I, the case with this one. Yeah. But I don't, I don't. <sighs> I don't like that either. I'm like, sorry. stop. I'm sorry. It's like these people who, it's like your sister uh, who wants to like, well, how does it end? I have to make sure it has a happy ending oh, before I watch Christiana. it. Oh, that's not Christiana. That's the other sister, Right, that's Tamara. the other one. I didn't want to give names, but yeah, it's like. No, we need to specify. It is not the one <laughs> people enough. have heard. That's right. It's not. Like, Tamara will be like, 
well, does it have a happy ending? Tell me how it ends Dude, before yeah. I watch anything. She wants, like, the happy Hollywood ending, and she will spoil herself. Now, I know that's how some people watch movies. I've been l- listening to an absolutely loving fake doctor's real friends with Zach and Donald. Uh-huh. And Donald has said that is what he will do with TV shows. He will watch the finale, the series finale, to determine if he wants to invest in watching the entire show. Mm-hmm. So I know there are some special people who incorrectly watch things like that. I have done that. <laughs> <laughs> on accident yeah and then been like that was fantastic i need yeah. I need, the, I need uh. to know everything that was leading up to that <laughs> but yeah tamra tamra doesn't like to watch things unless they have a sweet happy ending and none of the main characters or secondary characters die mm-hmm. but you know like and that's fine those are the things that she wants to watch mm-hmm. <laughs> dave and i are like let me watch something where i can feel things yeah. And it's not always just overwhelming joy because everyone is happy. I'm and okay if it's frustration because they left yeah. it ambiguous. I'm okay if it's, you know... Crying because important people die. Right. Who we grew to love. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down with all that. Yeah. So... Yeah, like, one of... Uh, now, I watched every single episode of Bones. Uh-huh. And I love that show. But I also had problems with it. And one of my biggest problems is that in their line of work, um, I found it highly improbable that so few people died. Uh-huh. And that spoilers for Bones, if you haven't watched it. Well, I don't give big spoilers for Bones. None of the core people died. I mean, that's not really a spoiler. No. That's I mean, it's par for course. Sort of. <laughs> it's a it kind of, but like none of the core people died. And that, as some of them almost did. But, you know, like Matt at a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast says often, there were no stakes. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, I don't even, how did we get there? I, I don't know. Those are feelings we have. Those are feelings we have. Oh, yeah. My rating. Your rating. <laughs> 2.75 flaming crocodiles out of 5. 2.75? Yep. Wow. I gave something else that rating as well. Okay. I don't remember, but okay. I give it uh, three customized to look like Jane Seymour lover tarot cards out of 5. <laughs> nice. Uh, so what, is that, what does that bring on your ranking? How does that, how does that fare? Okay. It's going to be difficult again. Uh-huh. Okay, number one, absolutely, Dr. No. Yep, still. For sure. Number two, for sure, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh-huh. Number three. Well, you're looking at my list. I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> you're that just means, reading my list. That means we agree, you goober. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, need to look at, I need to look at a list, oh. so I'll remember all the movies. Okay. Um... <laughs> Now, here's here's where I struggled. Uh, it looks like we came to the same conclusion. Oh, really? My number three is Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't sure. I, I really had to think about if I liked Live and Let Die more than Goldfinger or not. Yeah. I do still like Goldfinger more. And I ranked Goldfinger a three. Mm-hmm. So I can't rank Live and Let Die a three. You can. No, I don't want to. I didn't I, like it as much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, you know, I... I gave, I like Goldfinger slightly more than Live and Let Die, but I ranked them both a three. Yeah. And that, you know, that's fine. So I, I ranked From Russia with Love. No, wait. 
Oh, shoot. You only live twice. Uh-huh. I ranked that one a 2.75. Okay. Um. So, okay, yeah. So my number four, number four, live and let die. Uh-huh. Number five, you only live twice. Gotcha. And your number six is from Russia? Yes. You don't seem happy with that as you're saying it. <laughs> I'm trying to... Did I like Diamonds Are Forever more than From Russia? No. Okay. From Russia, then Diamonds Are Forever, then Thunderball, and then Doodle Royale. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty close to what you ranked. Yeah. I, I have Dr. No as number one. On Her Majesty's Secret Service as number two. Number three, just barely hanging on mm-hmm. to number three is Goldfinger. Number four, Live and Let Die, which even as you were discussing it, I was contemplating <laughs> moving Live and Let Die up to number three. And yeah, and I, for me, where I'm having trouble is, do I like Live and Let Die more than You Only Live Twice? I, uh-huh. I might change my mind. Dude, I don't know. Those are really night, close for me. Last night as I was making the ranking, I almost put Live and Let Die as number two. What? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't do it you the last night. You need to apologize to Odd Job right now. I mean, I... Why? How dare you? Why? I should apologize to Telly Savalas. Him as well. What is this voice? I don't know. <laughs> Shame. How dare you? <laughs> Did I kill your father? Should I prepare to die? <laughs> what is this voice? That's how you say how dare you. Oh, okay. How dare you? All right. I could... <laughs> Try to say it a different way. How dare you? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so goes, I went with the man voice yeah. and you went with the woman it, it voice. It goes along with, <laughs> why I'd never. <laughs> and Clutch my pearls. Yeah, which every time I hear any anybody go, why i never. I always hear Fred Sanford going, and at this rate, you never will. <laughs> I love Sanford and Son so much. <laughs> So much of, like, Red Fox is just in my head all day sometimes. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, I interrupted your list. It's okay. Uh, All right, so... On Her Majesty's Secret Service, number two. Number three, Goldfinger. Number four, Live and Let Die. Number five, From Russia with Love. Number six, You Only Live Twice. Number seven, Diamonds Are Forever. Eight, Thunderball. Nine, Casino Royale 67. So, yeah. And I I did. I struggled. I almost want to, I wanted to put Live and Let Die mm-hmm. uh, number two, and then I couldn't do it to Lazenby. I couldn't do it to Telly Savalas. Yeah. I just liked them too much. See, that would have been, that would have been interesting just because of like the weird technical part of my brain where you would have had number one with Connery on Her Majesty's Secret Service with a different, mm-hmm. <laughs> with a different guy, and yeah. then number three would have been a, a different another, guy. Yeah, your top three would have been three different bonds, yeah. and that and would have been cool. Look, you know the way my brain works, I might change that up at some point, and it might become that. The more, I, <laughs> the more, yeah. I, the more I think about stuff like that, like yeah. the more it's just like mm, this is a different day of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like now it's changed. Yeah, um, which is part of the fun of ranking them every week. Yep. Should we talk about trivia? Okay. All right. So this had a budget of seven million. Same as Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, I think that one's a 7.7 or 7.2. But yeah, this had $7 million budget. It grossed $161.8 million. Man. So uh, the profit margin, the net profit margin was 95.65%. The net profit was uh, 154100000 And the profit percentage was uh, 2,201.43%. 
crazy. Crazy. So crazy. Here's he, no. Here's what's crazy. <laughs> Sean Connery turned down the uh, sum of five point five million. Oh my god! Which would have been thirty two million in two thousand nineteen dollars. I love that. Do you have Do you have anyone in your family who would like tell you like, oh yeah, but you know, I was a uh, got out of the the you know I went on furlough there in the military and uh, uh, went and got me a tattoo and it cost me uh, uh, twenty five dollars. Now this was nineteen forty dollars. That you gotta say the year. Them's was insert year dollars. I don't have a norm in my family, but I feel well, like <laughs> in mine they in mine they had them oh southern voice. Uh, but yeah, no. I feel like if there's anyone in my family who would have done that, it would have been my grandfather. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I've had a few people who who. I've had some uncles. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, uh, they don't do the norm voice, but that's what's in my head. <laughs> yeah. like, well, I hate I hate the voices they actually use. It's like, yeah. Well, let me tell awful. you something, boy. It's hard to listen to. Let me tell you something, boy. You got a boy. <laughs> Everybody's boy. It's just falling out of your mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. It's just like, it's like... It's like, it's like they, they put an oyster in their mouth and didn't like it. Boy. <laughs> and then like... They they see my sister and like, hi hey girl, how are you doing, girl? Come over here and give me a hug, girl. I'm like, oh, ugh, ugh. Ugh. no, ugh. no. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's right. We live in the south and yep. we hate southern accents. <laughs> we really do. All right, so uh, yeah, so Sean Connery he gave up five point five million playing Bond so much at this point, <laughs> and also apparently according to Zardoz. Uh-huh. In 1974, needed money so badly. The, the man was looking to branch out. Ugh. Uh, needed money so badly he did that film, but turned down five and a half million. Yeah, that's how much he hated playing Bond uh-huh. at this point. That's right. Yeah, uh, he did. He did give his personal seal of approval to Roger Moore and called him an ideal Bond. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's nice. That seems humble, unless yeah. depending on the tone of voice. <laughs> yeah. The uh, producers offered Clint Eastwood the role, huh. and Clint said he was flattered but declined, saying that Bond should be portrayed by an English actor. Okay. Uh, he was fresh off of Dirty Harry. Mm. You've never seen Dirty Harry. Nope. That was a good one. Cool. A lot of big, big body count. Mm. We need to watch that. I one. like big bodies. No, there's a lot of bodies <laughs> who were dead. I know, baby. I was making a joke. Me too. I was just going along with it. Oh. Well, I ruined it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I like big bodies. No, we're not doing it again. Oh. <laughs> Ross Kananga, credited as the stunt coordinator, was the owner of the alligator and crocodile farm in which Bond escapes some hungry crocs. Kananga did this stunt by himself, wearing Mr. Roger Moore's clothes and shoes made of crocodile Good skin. Gosh. The crocodile shoes were a fun idea that Roger Moore gave them. Uh, during the fourth attempt, one of the crocodiles snapped at one of the shoes as it went by. In a 1973 interview, he explained something like that is almost impossible uh, to do. So I had to do it six times before oh I got it God. right. I fell five times. The film company kept sending uh, to London for more clothes. The crocs were chewing off everything when I hit the water, including shoes. I received 193 stitches on my leg and face. Mm. The producers... While scouting locations, first took notice of Mr. Kananga's farm from the sign out front, warning, trespassers will be that eaten. That was real. That's 
That's amazing. Trespassers will be eaten. The sign can be seen in the film. They liked Kananga so much, they used his surname for the film's villain, Dr. Kananga. Awesome. And he received $60,000. Heck yeah. For the stunt. Heck yeah. And then was $1973. <laughs> Get that coin. <laughs> what? It's a thing the YouTubers say. <laughs> the coint? Coint. That sounds filthy. You know how people... You know how You people, just heard it, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> My apologies. You know how people like to end words and tease now? No. Period. Period. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Moore suffered an energy... Energy? Injury during the boat chase. The engine cut out and the momentum carried him into a boathouse. He cracked some of his front teeth and oh twisted his gosh. knee. He had to walk on a cane for several days afterward and was still able to complete the scene because all he had to do was sit in a boat. <laughs> wow. Uh, according to Paul McCartney, after director Guy Hamilton heard the title song, uh, in its release, he said, yeah, that's good for a demo, but when are you going to do the real record? Oh, my. Damn. Like. That's rough. That's a beetle, fool. <laughs> or a wing. <laughs> that's a feather. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, the oh, I mean, <laughs> the producers made a conscious decision to make Roger Moore's Bond significantly different from Connery's. In this film, Bond never orders a vodka martini, but drinks bourbon whiskey. Neat. No ice. Uh, the mission briefing occurs in his flat, not the office. Only the second time Bond's apartment is featured in the movies after an appearance on Dr. No. Bond does not wear a hat. He smokes cigars instead of cigarettes. Uh, yeah, I miss the cigarettes. Hmm. According to Yafet Kato, he was not allowed to do any press for this movie, nor was he allowed to attend the premiere. Which one was he? He was the villain. He was Kananga. Oh my gosh. Kato states the producers told him they were afraid of the public's reaction to the villain being black. Oh my goodness. Isn't that some crap? It is. So they just instead decided to just um, perpetrate just like the negative things that people thought about black people. Perpetrate or perpetuate? Yep, that one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I missed a syllable. (laughs) Um... Yeah, that really stinks, man. I mean, really, like, it was a role. Yeah. He's an actor. If he thought people were going to have a negative reaction to the villain being black, then why did he cast a black man as a villain? Yeah. That's ridiculous. (sighs) It was frustrating. That's frustrating. I can only imagine how frustrating it was for that guy. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The boat chase through the bayou was originally written in the script as just... Quote, scene 156, the most terrific boat chase you've ever seen. <laughs> Boats, uh, sorry, Bond's speedboat jump made it into the Guinness World. Oh my gosh. Uh, the Guinness Book of World Records for its distance and of, sorry, of 110 feet, uh, 33 and a half meters, a record that stood for three years. Clifton James' spontaneous reaction to that scene was kept in the final print. Uh, Clifton James was, was uh, JW, I believe. JW Pepper. Oh, gotcha. Thank you. Uh, Bond's stunt boat used to make the high jump over Sheriff Pepper's car was speci- sorry, specially designed with redistributed weight so it would fly through the air with more stability. The second boat was not scripted to collide with the police car, but after this happened, while shooting the stunt, they changed the script to accommodate it. Only James Bond movie with Roger Moore in which Felix Leiter appears. So we don't see him for another seven or six movies. Jeez. Uh, David Hedison, who played Felix, played the role again in License to Kill, becoming the first actor to reprise the part. 
And his hair was awful in this movie. (gasps) So bad. He had some kind of like helmet (laughs) wig or something on. It was was rough. Very bad. So bad. They should have talked to Shatner's people, man. I mean, it's not like Shatner had good hair. It was better than that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not at this point, it wasn't. Mm. At this point, he was still like. At this point, it was real bad. Or Connery. Was he wearing a hairpiece? Yes, he was. Okay, well, they should have talked to Connery's people. That's right. They were probably still on set. Uh-huh. Yep. Jeez. Paul McCartney's iconic theme song for this movie almost wasn't used. After McCartney submitted the song, producer Harry Saltzman said he liked it, but wanted it to be sung by someone else, preferably a black female artist. McCartney told producers he'd only sell the song for the film if he and his bands were allowed to perform it for the film. Saltzman had passed on producing A Hard Day's Night and came to quip that he didn't mm-hmm. want to turn down McCartney a second time. Wow. However, Saltzman would subsequently say he much preferred Brenda Arnaud's version of the song, also heard during the movie. Interesting. Um, now, I do think yeah. A Hard Day's Night wouldn't was not a great choice. Well, no, but it wouldn't have... He wasn't saying for a Bond movie. He was talking about the movie, A Hard Day's Night. He passed on producing it. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Screenwriter Tom Mankiewicz dabbled with tarot cards to familiarize himself with the art. He took them to a party and performed tarot readings on the guests. At that party, Michael Caine. And his then <laughs> girlfriend attended and he used his tarot cards to predict the two would be married. The two married and Mankiewicz said in his autobiography Whoa. that for years afterwards, Michael's wife, Shakira Kane, was convinced Whoa. he had special powers. Did the card have Jane Seymour on it? One could only hope. Okay. Uh, Madeline Smith, Miss Caruso said additional awkwardness of the bedroom scene was created by Roger Moore's overprotective wife, who was on the set during filming. In order to establish the the effect of Bond unzipping Miss Caruso's blue dress with his magnetic watch, a thin wire was attached to the zipper from the watch. A stage hand lay on the floor beneath Smith's body to pull (laughs) the wire down while Moore pretended to unzip the dress with his watch. According to Moore, it took 29 takes (gasps) to get it right. Oh my gosh. That is way too many takes for that to be worth it. Oh my gosh. Uh, though this is the first movie in which Q does not appear, the book was actually the first in the series to make reference to Q Branch. The huh. book follows directly from Casino Royale, in which Bond's hand is knife-scarred with a Russian character, identifying him as a spy. Hmm. Q or Q Branch performs surgery on the hand to conceal the scars. Hmm. Well, that's dope. <laughs> yup. Um... As I mentioned before, Tom Mankiewicz originally wrote the main Bond girl to be black with an eye on Diana Ross for the part. But one of the producers told him it could not be done on account of some of their markets, primarily Japan and South Africa, banning all movies with interracial romances. It was until uh, Day Another Die featured the lead Bond girl as an African-American. Die Another Day. Mm Mm-hmm. What did I say? Day Another Die. Oh. It was close. Wow. Die Another Day. What is wrong with me? But dyslexic or something. That's a shame. It is a shame. Uh, this is, is the first Bond film in which 007 has a liaison with a black woman, Rosie Carver. When this movie was released in South Africa, all of Hendry's love scenes were removed due to the apartheid policies of the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Disney's The Color of Friendship does a good job of explaining, well, maybe a good job of explaining... On a children's level, apartheid in the 70s in hmm. South Africa. Okay. <laughs> if anyone needs that, I... Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but yes, let me just say, apartheid sucked. Yes, and I'm here to undercut your contributions. There you have it. 
Um, <laughs> this is the first time in the Bond series that a rock song was used as a main title song, as you said before. The <laughs> Sir Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney song charted in the U.S. on July 7th, 1973 and peaked at the number two spot where it stayed for three weeks. In the U.K., it debuted on July 9th, 1973 and went to number nine. McCartney paid for the orchestra used for the song from his own pocket. Rolling Stone mm-hmm. magazine accused McCartney of selling out to the establishment when it was announced that he would be providing the theme song to this film. As it transpired, McCartney became the first artist to be nominated for a Best Song Academy Award for a James Bond title track. The soundtrack uh, album charted in the U.S. on July 28th, 1973 and topped at number 17. Hmm. The character of Quarrel Jr. is a direct reference to the first Bond movie, Dr. No, which also featured a character named Quarrel. The original novel takes place before Dr. No, in which, as the... As in the movie version, Quarrel is killed and features the first appearance of the character. At one stage, the Bond girl character of Honey Rider from Dr. No was considered returning in this movie, but the idea was withdrawn. Mm. That would have been cool, but I I think it would have been too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially with having like the first black Bond girl and Jane Seymour. You probably wouldn't have had the first black Bond girl if they'd oh. had Honey Rider come in. Okay, well, that's reason enough. Yeah. Which, you know. Sorry, honey rider. Thumper may have been the first, technically the first Bond, black Bond girl from Diamonds Are Forever. She wasn't really a, like, when I I've think I've heard of, her referred to as a Bond girl before. When I, when I think of Bond girl, I think that's usually like, like a love interest. Someone he has a physical relationship with. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought Bond girl was. I guess uh-huh. it, I guess it depends on someone's definition of it. Yeah. But yeah, man, shout out to Thumper. She was cool. <laughs> The producers were reportedly required to pay protection money to a local Harlem gang to ensure the crew's safety. When the cash ran out, they were quote-unquote encouraged to leave. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Uh, While filming Diamonds Are Forever, this was chosen as the next novel to be adapted because Mankiewicz thought it would be daring to use black villains as the Black Panthers and other racial movements were active during this era. <laughs> this was inclusive with the box office success of the early black exploitation movies like Shaft, Superfly, and Across uh, 110th Street, uh, which United Artists released when this movie was filming. I mean, to be fair, from a marketing standpoint, uh, this was the height of the black exploitation era. Yes. 73. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, to- yeah. I mean, they were just trying to cash in on a certain... Yeah. Just rolling with the trends. Yep. Which is, you know, all companies are going to do. Yeah. Dr. Kananga, a.k.a. Mr. Big, is at least partially based on Dr. Francois Papadoc Duvalier, Duvalier, maybe? Dictator Dictator of Haiti, who used voodoo as the basis of his personality cult and even claimed that he was Baron Samedi. What the heck? Yeah, man. Personality cult? All I got to say is that... That's the real version, and this stuff, people do this stuff, man. That's, it wasn't just Mankiewicz like, cooking up stuff like, this is what black people do. No, this is a thing that happened. Yeah. This was based on something. That's crazy. Okay, what about what about that part um in the movie where they're doing all that voodoo stuff, and then uh-huh. like that guy comes up from the grave? What was that guy's name? The one who was on the train at the end? Oh, Baron Samedi. Oh, okay, yeah. Where Samedi comes up out of the grave, and then, like, is it Bond who shoots him? And it's like... His, his eyes roll back, and his then His body is like clay. Yeah, I don't it's know like what that It's like he shatters. Yeah, I don't... And then he comes back again. Yeah. 
Is that just like voodoo stuff they were portraying? Yeah, I don't know. Because like that was weird. Yeah, that, that threw was me weird. off. I'm like, wait, what? He's clay? Yeah, I don't know. That was crazy. Man. I didn't get that. That's crazy. I don't want to be a part of that personality he, cult. But he died in the snake pit, but he was still alive on the front of that train. Yeah, I ain't messing with voodoo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roger Moore wrote in his autobiography that he played a prank on Jane Seymour. During lunch, she had a habit of asking people nearby to pass the ketchup, then the salt, then another sauce, repeatedly. One day, Moore and the rest of the crew got up and left when Seymour sat down, causing her to burst into tears, causing Moore to regret the joke. Oh, no! Oh <laughs> Yeah. Don't make little baby Jane cry. No. This is the only James Bond movie to have a supernatural theme. Huh. I could have used more. Yeah. I, you know, just to change it up a little bit. We can do like Baywatch Night Season 2 when they just have like the really bad <laughs> stuffed wolf <laughs> and the skull with the seam. Oh, Baywatch Night. <laughs> the season where oh god they wanted to be like Buffy in the X-Files. <laughs> and I say that because David Hasselhoff literally said, hey, Buffy in the X-Files is really popular right now. Yep. Um, and they were like, sure, David. It's your show, David. <laughs> Whatever you say, sir. I'll be ready. One of those episodes featured glow-in-the-dark surfing aliens. I was making a reference to the theme song. What was the reference? I'll be ready. Oh, gotcha. Ever you need. I didn't catch the reference. I no, forgot. Don't you fear? Well, it was the Bay. You're doing the Baywatch <laughs> theme song, not the Baywatch rem- Nights theme. I don't theme remember song. the Baywatch Nights theme. I don't either. It was probably this is not as good as Baywatch. This is at night. Okay. And then just like lots of music, and then um, what was it? Pizza Terra. <laughs> From Chicago, oh. did he sing one of the themes on Baywatch? He would, he would have been the one singing Baywatch nights. Anyway, that's too much about Baywatch. I think it was the guy, the the cop. I think he sang. I think he was singing the. Really? I thought he did. Man, I have looked his name up so many times, and I always forget his name. Well, because like Mitch starts up the company, the, like the detective agency or whatever, with that dude. Yeah, I loved him. So much that I can't remember his name. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Baywatch Nights. Don't watch it. It's I'm awful. looking it up. I'm looking it up. I All need right. to do this man justice. Okay. I think it starts with a K. So I sent you a clip of this. Clifton James played a similar character to J.W. Pepper in uh, Superman 2. Yes. And he was like kind of normal. He was like, they have a wide variety. And the one guy, the other guy's deputy or whatever is like, I can't, I, I'm not going to like going any place where they expect me to eat fish. <laughs> and he's like, I'm telling you, they have a wide variety. And he's just going on and on. And then he finally settles on like, well, maybe I'll just get the fish. And then like Zod, Nan, and Ursa from Krypton are in the middle of the road. And they tell him to make way. And and he stops being a normal person and becomes J.W. Pepper. And he goes, <laughs> what you doing in the road, hippie? Oh, God. Something of that, of that sort. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, Albert Broccoli considered Goldie Hawn and Dame Helen Mirren for solitaire. Huh. <gasps> Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. That would have been awesome. Gail Honeycutt was signed to play solitaire, but had to pull out when she became pregnant. Wow. Um, now, the novel had Mr. Big ready to topple the world's monetary system by flooding the gold market with Blackbeard's hoard. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> in the film, as the film was trying to capitalize on the black exploitation market, is heroin was the treasure hoard. Um, yep. In addition to Quarrel, the character of Strange Ways was originally introduced in the novel Live and Let Die. Like Quarrel, Strange Ways is later killed in the novel Doctor No. Hmm. All right. Garner Ellerby. Okay. It's a weird name. Mm-hmm. But Garner, that's that's the guy. The the detective from <laughs> Baywatch. Yep. Okay, cool. There you go. Thank you. Welcome. Um, <laughs> Bond's radio transmitter, which is disguised as a clothes brush, was reused in the Doctor Who episode Revenge of the Cybermen Part 1 in 1975. Huh. While visiting the BBC after reading a notice for an upcoming Doctor Who episode, Roger Moore handed that item to the prop master of the channel, believing that the production crew may have any use for it one day. That's so cool. The prop master didn't recognize Moore and paid him two <laughs> shillings and six pence oh for the gosh. item. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That reminds me of a... Uh, um, I can't. I can't remember what what band it was. Um, I think. Yeah, I don't remember. There, there is a band that uh, my mom and Christy and I are kind of good friends with, and uh, they were on tour with another band, and they were doing like a meet and greet before the show started. But like the headlining band didn't know the band that we're friends with, and they thought that they were the people showing up for the meet and greet. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and so, like, for the first few minutes, they were just talking to him, like, hey, man. Oh, cool. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, it's so good to meet you. And eventually, they just had to, like, you know, just say the really awkward thing, like, dude, we're on the tour with you. We're opening for you tonight, man. Like, we like your music, but we're not here as fans for the meet and greet. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's so embarrassing. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> A lot of humility. Mm-hmm. A lot of humility that night. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so in the beginning of the movie, when Bond is being driven to meet with Felix, all of the cars on the road are GM autos, with a majority of them being Chevrolet Impalas. There we go. Yep. Uh, let's see. The film was made at the height of what was known as the black exploitation era and tried, successfully or unsuccessfully, strictly each person's taste, to incorporate this genre into Bond. I think pretty successfully. Yeah. Uh, a few of notable ones were Shaft and Willie Dynamite and Coffee. I liked Coffee. That was a good one. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> these films starred black actors and have become fondly remembered. Uh, Writer-director Quentin Tarantino was able to turn his love for the films into Jackie Brown. Uh, which starred noted actress of the genre, Pam Greer. Great. Jane, this was this is interesting. Uh, Jane Seymour was married at the time to uh, Michael Attenborough, the son of actor-director Richard Attenborough. As a director, the elder Attenborough worked with Sean Connery on A Bridge Too Far and Pierce Brosnan on Grey Owl. He also acted with Daniel Craig in Elizabeth. The title character in that film was a daughter of Henry VIII, one of whose subsequent wives was named Jane Seymour. She was, she was also played that same year by Judy Dench, who went on to play M in Ooh. the... And that's a lot of stuff in there. That's a lot of Bond connections. But yeah, that's uh, that is who Jane Seymour took her name from. Nice. Yep. Uh, I don't remember what her uh, birth name is. Yeah, I remember you telling me she changed her name, but I yeah, couldn't but remember. yep, that's who she named herself after. And that lady was married three times. Yep. Which is crazy, man. What uh, What did you do, husbands? Maybe it was her. Maybe. Maybe it was her. 
I don't believe it. I mean, she's perfection. <laughs> Maybe she demands perfection. <laughs> she just seems so nice, though. I don't know her. I want to believe she's nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, Yafet Kato later stated, There were so many problems, and this is the guy that played Mr. Big and Kananga. Okay, thank you. There were so many problems with that script. I was too afraid of coming off like Aww. Manton Moreland. I had to dig deep in my soul and brain and come up with a level of reality that would offset the sea of stereotype crap that Tom Mankiewicz wrote that had nothing to do with the black experience or culture. Aww, that is so sad. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And then on top of that, he wasn't allowed to go to press stuff. Yeah, that That sucks. really sucks, man. He said he did this by drawing on a real-life situation I was going through, and that saved me. Uh, but the way Kananga dies was a joke. The entire experience was not as rewarding as I wanted it to be. Mm. The way he died was a joke. Yeah. It was really bad. It really... It was like, who framed Roger Rabbit, man? But he was a compelling villain, though, for real. Yes. And, like, that seriously surprised us when he, like, pulled off the Mr. Big mask. And we were like, oh, shoot! I was just like, oh, good. That's why he didn't look normal! Oh, good, he's still black underneath. <laughs> oh, God. It it reminded me of that episode of Atlanta when the that weird, like, former child star, yes. that white dude, but... We were just like, what is going on? He looks so Teddy? weird. Teddy yeah. Perkins? Teddy Perkins. Is that it? Yes. Yes. That out How of did head. you? Yeah. And like, but it was Donald Glover and Whiteface. Yes. And it was so weird, but so amazing. And yeah. I, I, oh, if you guys haven't seen Atlanta, check out Atlanta. It's so good. And then, uh, I don't, I don't remember like all of the exact facts on this, but. Um, I don't know if Donald Glover did or if someone else showed up to the Oscars that year as Teddy Perkins. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's fantastic. fantastic. Crazy. All right. Let's get to some listener feedback. Okay. Uh, for Live and Let Die, Nerdy Tastic says, Live and Let Die, the theme is an absolute classic and I've been lucky enough to see McCartney perform live. Cool. The movie itself, Roger is what I like to call Kendall Bond. Absolutely. But blandly handsome and not particularly interesting. He can't fight worth a damn and his charm borders on sleaze. I can see all of that being yep. true, but I still really enjoyed him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely agree because I, yeah, the the Kendall kind of charm is sort of just mm-hmm. typical. It's I, Okay, so here's here's like... What I like about that, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was that Ian Fleming quote where he talks about how Bond wasn't, isn't really necessarily supposed to be likable. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea. I was thinking about her talking about this. I was thinking about Nerdy Tastic saying that he's blandly handsome and not particularly interesting and how his charm borders on sleaze. And it made me think, I know you haven't seen American Psycho. But it made me think of uh, Patrick Bateman and how Christian Bale portrayed that character as sort of this, like, all of his charm is just, like, this facade. Mm. And how, like, the way Moore is portraying Bond is sort of like nothing is is real. Like, Mm. none of his charm is real. It's just sort of like he knows exactly. He's got this, like, sociopathic tendency to say and mimic real charm. And because he has such utter confidence 
and his ability to do so, women fall for him. Hmm. Like, I like that. I like that idea and that take on Bond. Like, he he does want human connection. Yeah. As we saw in uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. But he's so bereft of the capability of, of achieving it that he just sort of, like, looks for sex as a substitute. Yeah. And maybe gets off a little on the power he seems to hold over women. Yeah. So, I don't know, Nerdy Tasha, you just kind of talked me into into liking <laughs> him more somehow. <laughs> she, she says, Jane Seymour is stunningly beautiful, but her... Yes, she is. Yes. But her Bond girl is kind of useless, and I don't like the way Bond tricks her. No. Well, I like it more now because he's Patrick Bateman. Mm. <laughs> he's, he's just awful. Yeah. Um, the last third devolves into parody. It does. And I absolutely loathe Sheriff Pepper. Yeah, you? The way the villain is killed may just be one of the stupidest thing I've seen in years. Yeah. It was one of my favorite things, though. So <laughs> there's that, too. Well, it it was ridiculous and funny, but I feel like misplaced in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for that character, because that that kind of villain was not... Just like hokey, silly, goofy. Yeah, you know that that almost would have been more fitting of the um. Oh man, I forgot his name. Uh, the clay dude, the voodoo guy. Oh, Samedi. Yeah, almost would have been more fitting of him, especially since we saw him get shot and he just like like broke like clay. Yeah, but I don't yeah, know. It was, it was ridiculous. Nerdy Tastic continues, I'm also looking forward to y'all getting to the Dalton movies. For a long time, he was my favorite. Now he's second to Craig. Nice. That's I awesome. I look forward to Dalton, man. Me too. I look forward to all of them. Yeah. And then I'm wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, Travis Hines says, uh, Into the beginning of the Moore era, the first Bond I was introduced to as a kid. Paul McCartney and Wings rocking that intro song. Fire! He puts the fire <laughs> emoji, you know? When I copy it over, it actually says what it is. That's awesome. Um, oh, that makes me want to, like, copy and paste all of the emojis. Oh, gosh. see how they translate. Well, you can do that on your own time, my love. <laughs> I don't want no, I don't want to know nothing about it. <laughs> oh, uh, Travis Hines, you should talk to David Wang, because David Wang, did you... I don't know if you have that piece of feedback in here, but David Wang... On our uh, Facebook group, um, said that um, the Roger Moore movies are the ones that he watched the most on VHS when he was growing up. Yep. See, uh, Jason Goss. Do you know that guy? Sounds familiar. My uh, my co-host on DC on screen, Jason Goss, <laughs> says I don't think any other intro gets all that close to this one. It is the Michael Jordan <laughs> of Bond songs. <laughs> Well, Jason is a huge Beatles fan. Yeah. So I didn't expect him to have any other opinion. And he got to see Paul McCartney last year, didn't he? I think so. In New Orleans. I think so. Whoa. I think so. Whoa. Yeah. Is that your bad knee I am grabbing? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> it is the knee that has been hurting me for three weeks straight. Yep. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> But hey, that's cool. I wonder if he got to see any uh, suspicious funerals while he was there. I don't know. I guess we can ask him. <laughs> <laughs> 
David Wang says, fun fact, every next Roger Moore 007 bi- film is a bit longer than the previous one. That is not a fun fact, no, sir. how much longer? 30 that, seconds? That is a terrible fact. 30 seconds longer? That is a horrible <laughs> fact. <laughs> I already struggled with two hours, man. Um, oh, jeez. He says, this is the best ending shot of a Bond film. Yes, even greater than Casino Royale's. I mean, yeah. It was interesting. It's just, I think... Uh, what kind of cheapens it for me is that I know it's not going to go anywhere. <clears throat> yeah. We're not going to see that guy again. Yeah, we I'm don't. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we like, didn't. We're, that story is not <laughs> going to be continued. But it was a cool shot and yeah. a cool idea. Like, oh my gosh, this guy's still around. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Bond hand gliding is another example of Bond films making aware of cutting edge sports and recreations. Well, yeah, they got to. They got to. They got to stay on the edge. Uh-huh. Uh... In your mind, is Bond more of a cigarette guy or a cigar guy? You said cigar. Yeah. You thought Connery's Bond was more of a cigar? I specifically saw, in my mind, Sean Connery smoking a cigar. Which is so weird because, like, Connery did nothing but chain smoke cigarettes. And I think he he may have had a a Bond, a cigar in (laughs) You Only Live Twice, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, like he he's just a like every time I think of of him as Bond, like I just see like him smoking a cigarette in a tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just think of um just cigar. Bond seems like a cigar guy to me. That's interesting. Uh David Wang says, "Wonder what you think about the change in aspect ratio in this film and the next one to be honest. They've been widescreen since Thunderball and now we get a brief change to 1851. This was a big thing that shocked me after years of watching the Roger Moore ones on VHS." Um, dude, I didn't notice it even after you said it. I, I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't care. It didn't, it didn't even, like, I would, if you had not said it, I wouldn't have known it. And even though you said it, I still did not know it. <laughs> it just did not register to me. Yeah. I, I didn't notice either, <clears throat> but that's not usually something that I notice anyway. Well, that is something. It's, what's weird is it's something that I normally notice. Yeah. Like the Scrubs DVDs are not the right aspect ratio. Mm. Like it's different than the show. And when I first started watching them, I was like, something's wrong here. And it's some kind of weird, like, it's some kind of weird aspect ratio where they, they, they changed it from 4-3 and like kind of cut it weird. So I don't know. But yeah, you you're the guy who like walks into a room like uh and you're just like, ah, they've got the aspect ratio on the TV screen messed up there. It's not in the right blah 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 blah. And I'm like, I thought it looked like it didn't fit the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I don't really know. I mean, there's like a lot of times with my grandmother's TV. Right. You know, I'll be like, dude, what what did she do? And I'm like, babe, can't you see can't you see Jimmy Walker's head looks like it's been flattened by a train? <laughs> and you're like, eh. I don't know. I just listen to the words, David. I don't look at the pictures. I'm like, they've got the four three aspect <laughs> ratio smished into a sixteen nine. <laughs> it's ungodly, I say. Christiana would would uh she would probably notice something like that. Maybe not as as hardcore as you, but yeah. But yeah, as long as as long <laughs> as the the picture isn't squished, I don't notice. Like yeah. I don't mind. Like yeah, I I you know I guess the previous movies did look a little more cinematic. Yeah. Uh, because of of the widescreen, but um, nothing was squished, so I didn't really mind. <laughs> yeah. Or really even notice. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, David Wang. I'm sorry, David Wang. I feel like I've failed you. (laughs) 
and that makes me hurt in my heart. <laughs> or maybe that was the chili dog I ate before watching this movie. Perhaps. I haven't but it eaten hurts a chili in a dog. Good way. I haven't eaten a chili dog in years. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, moving on. Diamonds are forever. Matthew Salvatore says, uh, "Superb review. I had several laughs with this one. Thank Hi. you. Thanks. You're welcome. I saluted you. You can't see because this is audio. I thought you were putting your hand up to high five me. No, but no. thank you. I'll salute you too. Thanks. I was not saluting you. I was saluting I know. Matthew. So was I. Good. Yes. Okay. Just making sure we all understand what's happening. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you so much, Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Pop Culture Maven at Pop Culture Czar says, Just saw Diamonds Are Forever and heard the podcast. Thanks! A little trivia I got from the Blu-ray, the original ending for this featured Bond and Blofeld in a fight to the death in a salt mine. (gasps) Back to the salt mines! (laughs) 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 So I'll give this movie three salt mines out of five. Awesome! Uh, thank you thank you (laughs) sherman smith on the facebook group uh breaking bond facebook group you guys can go check that out if you like you can be you gotta you gotta say hey let me in and i'll be like all right when i notice sherman smith says i felt a plug i know (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) come join the facebook group it's a bunch of people talking about james bond and a couple people talking about other stuff i don't know Sherman Smith says, I thought the close-up on the car chases looked bad until I saw the close-up on the ski chase. Yep. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yep. Yup. Yup. <laughs> that, that rear projector. That is a truth. Yup. <sighs> on You Only Live Twice, Pop Culture Maven at Pop Culture Czar on Twitter says, just saw You, on- you Only Live Twice and listened to the podcast. Thanks! Whoop whoop! decent movie but those are the loudest ninjas i've ever heard (laughs) oh yeah and sherman smith says on facebook so far i've found all the older bond movies to be about the same the overly long ones would be much better if they were edited because there are a lot of good parts but way too much filler yes preach sherm girl yeah preach yes agree Next episode, <laughs> we'll be discussing The Man with the Golden Gun. Okay. 1974. Roger Moore as MI6 agent James Bond. Who? James Bond. Oh. Christopher Lee Christopher as, Lee Christopher is Lee one. as MI6. Sorry, as uh, Francisco Scaramanga. Cool. Britt Eklund as Mary Goodnight. Sweet, sweet. Oh, ho, ho. Mary Goodnight. <laughs> Maud Adams as Andrea <laughs> Anders. And uh, Hervé Villachez. Okay. I don't know how to say him. I know who he is. Okay. As Nicknack. You get the main letters. <laughs> as Nicknack, Scaramanga's dwarf manservant and accomplice. Dear gosh. This is the guy that uh, that was on Fantasy Island. Oh. <gasps> The plane, the plane. Oh my gosh, tattoo. Mm-hmm, tattoo, that's right, yeah. Neat. So uh, we also have Clifton James as Sheriff hey. J.W. Pepper returning. Help. The description, a Louisiana sheriff who happens to be on holiday in oh, Thailand. dear gosh. Hamilton liked Pepper in the previous film, Live and Let Die, and asked Mankiewicz to write him into The Man with the Golden Gun mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That really says something about, uh, it, well. Mankiewicz? No, 
Ham- uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. Yep. Guy Hamilton. So the next one will be directed by Guy Hamilton as well. But you know what? This is the guy that did, uh, the guy, Hamilton, who did uh, <laughs> Goldfinger. So. Okay. He did this one. He did. All right. You know, he's done a yeah. few now. All right, y'all. Uh, until next time, uh, keep your gold, keep your gun golden, and bye. <laughs> Live and let die. Bow, bow. What are you boys, some kind of doomsday machine? <laughs> you can contact us by email at davidcroberson at gmail.com or on Twitter. I tweet at David C. Robertson. Breaking Bond is a production of Maladjusted Media in association with Stranded Panda, a refuge for a rare breed of geek. Visit strandedpanda.com to check out more content from us and our friends. For more from Maladjusted Media, including podcasts, sketch comedy videos, short films, web series, and more, visit maladjusted.tv. Are you maladjusted? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.